The Truth News Network. One man can change the world. It's done every day. Kepler, Copernicus, Ptolemy, Lister, they all change the world. Interesting that these are scientists. And the hallmark of science is skepticism and a relentless pursuit of truth. Starting to see a picture? Good. And here to clarify that picture for you from TNN, the Truth News Network, Dan Newman. Just a word of advice this morning. Never take yourself for granted. Never take yourself for granted. You shouldn't take anybody for granted in your life. We shouldn't just automatically assume things about people and who they are and what they do and what their value in this world is, especially yourself, folks. You got to at least admit to yourself that you are who you are and that the capabilities you have in every area are there for you to do things, do things instead of just being. You know, we all have value. Probably most of us have more value than we think we do. And you can change things. You can change circumstances in your own life. Often you're put in a position where you can change the circumstances for the better in other people's lives. We're all here for a purpose, folks. And I hate to tell you this, but our purpose is not supposed to be just for us. We live in a big world full of a bunch of people, and our impact on others is critical to us. So what am I saying? Dan, look, this is Thanksgiving week. It's a week where we all can take some time, I'm sure, toward the end of this week, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, maybe over the weekend, many people listening in have a chance to share part of their lives the beginning of this holiday season with friends and loved ones. Look at the circumstances of getting together with these people, not as challenges. I know Uncle Bill, oh my gosh, he's a seedy old man. Uh, Aunt Alice never shuts up. You know, the list goes on and on. Everybody has fallacies. You know what? They're probably saying the same thing about you when they think about getting together with you this week. Here's what you need to do. This is about Thanksgiving, folks. Give thanks for everything and everybody that you have in your life today. We're prone far too often to take those kind of things for granted. Don't do that, especially this week. As a matter of fact, why don't you use this week as kind of like uh, a mark on the time, on the calendar, where you can target and look forward to think all week long, Thanksgiving week. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to consciously every day make sure that I'm thankful for anything and anyone that I have in my life during that season. If it doesn't do anything else, it'll make you feel really good. And if you get a chance, pass along those good feelings to those in your life. Everybody's looking for an attaboy or an girl. I know those are sexist terms. I'm not supposed to do it, but listen, folks. Let's not worry about being politically correct this week. Let's just be who we are and relish all of the blessings we have in our lives. Blessings including a bunch of people. So what are you doing? What are, what are your plans for the, the uh, back half of the Thanksgiving week? 
Hopefully you're not traveling a long distance and having to deal with, oh my gosh, the travel travesties that we all experience, even more so now during everything that's going on in our world and our nation, the pandemic, the plandemic, supply chain shortages, which are just horrible. The cost of travel is out of sight I, I, for the first time in a while now, I live in Louisiana, first time in a while, I was able to fill up yesterday for under $3 a gallon. Whoopee! Election Day 2020, I paid $1.65 a gallon at the same place where I paid $2.99 a gallon last night. Thanks to who? Well, if you talk to anybody in the, this administration, it won't be thanks to them. Oh, we didn't have anything to do with that. You know, it's a seasonal thing. This inflation that we're experiencing, it's just a temporary thing. It's transitory. That's the new word they've come up with to explain this. We have so many things to get into on the show today. First of all, let me point you to our feature story. It's probably, maybe if not the second or third most important story we've published in the last year. And it's it. I, I apologize in advance if you haven't been there yet. It's a little bit lengthy, but it's lengthy not because of trying to be verbose and come up with cool things to include. It's about facts. It's about things that every American, for you, for your parents if they're still alive, for your children, for your grandchildren, everybody in your life that's important to you, You need to read it for them. And this is one of those stories we told you, if you remember a week or so ago, we said, we're going to go back to, we'll pull out a very important story every week or so, maybe several times a week, the big ones. And in addition to publishing a written version, we do an audio version and put it at the top of that story at truthnewsnet.org, whichever story it is. Today's story is there an audio version as well as the written version. So if you're driving down the road, going somewhere, or if you're doing a lot of things at home, getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner and you're in your kitchen, uh, or even if you're at work in your office, pop in the earbuds and pull up the website, truthnewsnet.org. Click on that link at the top of today's story and give it a listen. Either way, you need to get into this story today. So we begin today with a little conversation about something that's going on regarding Thanksgiving. Hey, I know. (laughs) I know. There are so many things regarding Thanksgiving. Well, we just mentioned travel and the cost of travel, the cost of fuel, gasoline, cost of everything going up. Well, the White House finally weighed in. Instead of just saying, hey, we're all going to get through this together, the reason there's inflation is because Americans have so much more money. We gave them money, and they're spending it. So supply is going down, demand is going up. I could not fathom the Biden administration having the unmitigated gall to even put that out and expect the Americans to believe that's a plausible explanation. It's not. But Joe, he tackled today. He got up early and said, I'm going to fix this price of fuel thing that the American people are having to pay. And they're having to pay it because I made some decisions early in my administration that 
caused these things to happen, but we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about fixing things. So what did Joe do today? Well, he releases 50 million barrels of oil from our National Strategic Petroleum Reserve to try to level off the cost of gas at the pump. The president argued in a statement the demand for oil was not able to keep up with the economy recovering from the pandemic shutdowns. And of course, those shutdowns that Trump did, that's led to higher prices at the pump. Forget about the fact that in October of last year, for the first time in many decades, the United States became energy independent because of the Trump policies. That's why gas was $1.65 a gallon that day. But old Joe, Uncle Joe, first day in the office, I'm going to handicap. I'm going to do away eventually with fossil fuel, the entire industry, all those evil oil companies. And we've watched the price of gasoline go up, 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 up. Some places today, Americans are paying $5 a gallon. Joe said this yesterday, American consumers are feeling the impact of elevated gas prices at the pump and in their home heating bills. And American businesses are too because oil supply has not kept up with demand as the global economy emerges from the pandemic. Well, Joe, if you didn't cancel the XL pipeline on day one, if you didn't stop the leases of federal grounds for oil producers that have been done for dozens of years, both offshore and inland oil leases so we could keep the oil production going at a normal pace. If you hadn't done any of that, we'd still have $1.65 a gallon gasoline. But he didn't want to talk about that. He announced his decision, this uh, 50 million barrels release, as Americans plan to hit the road for Thursday, Thanksgiving holiday, at the same time, Prices show no sign of letting up. We've hit a seven-year high in gas prices as Biden struggles to find a solution to higher gas prices. And guess what? Seven years. What does that remind you of? Seven years ago, seven years ago, who was in office when that last real big spike in gas prices happened? Oh, it was Joe and his buddy Barack. They were in office when the price of gas went up to $4 a gallon in some places. Maybe there's something connected there. Biden tried hard, but he failed to convince OPEC to produce more oil in November, tried to blame the higher prices on oil companies. What happened to that Joe Biden thing, the buck stops with me? I take responsibility for everything. (laughs) When anything goes wrong, folks, he's been pointing at somebody else, kind of like most Democrat failed administrations do when they follow a Republican in the White House, as Obama and Biden did after eight years of Bush 43. Everything bad that happened in their entire tenure in the White House, eight years, everything bad that happened, oh, it has to be. Look what Bush did. We inherited this. It came from the previous administration. But everything good that happens, even if they're not involved personally or their administrations aren't involved in any kind of policy announcements that make the good changes, oh, look what we're doing for the American people. 
Joe last week, this just reminded me when I said that last sentence. I reminded, it reminded me he got up, I forget who he was speaking to, but he was bragging about, listen, we gave Americans $1,400 each. Think about that. Americans are flush with money. Well, I don't know how long ago it was. I didn't get 1400 I don't know how long ago it was when you got yours, but uh, I can pretty much bet that you've blown through $1,400 trying to live in a Biden economy. <laughs> you blew through it a long time ago. And of course, the Bidens and others in his administration are arguing that we all have more money to use because of what he has done to help pay for more expensive gasoline. In a statement yesterday, he reminded us that thanks to his policy, they nearly $100 more per month in disposable income in their pockets to help pay for the higher cost of energy and fuel. $100 more a month. What he failed to remind us is that inflation has gobbled all of that up and more. But the inflation piece, that's not his fault. Oh, we gave him $1,400. So he dumping or ordered the dumping of 50 million barrels of oil from our National Strategic Petroleum Reserve into the market. That's going to drop the price of gas. And the nation is going to be ecstatic, the financial markets and everything. Price of oil certainly got to go down. (laughs) Just as we went live, I checked and... Oil price this morning on West Texas crude is up a dollar and ten cents a gallon. Uh, you just can't get it right. I don't care what he does, what he says, it just seems like he can't get it right. Now, what's the gas price where you are? I'm looking at a sign now from Massachusetts, from a gas station in Massachusetts. Premium there. Is five twenty nine nine a gallon. Regular is four dollars and ninety nine cents a gallon. So just imagine, you're hitting the road for Thanksgiving this week. You're gonna notice a couple of things on your journey. You'll have more company, bigger crowds, more people on the road, and gas prices much higher in many states. The UPI reported this morning the auto group projects some 53 million people are going to be on the road in the next week, during this week and part of early next week. That's an increase of 6.4 million or 13% over last year. Of course, we had the COVID-19 lockdowns. AAA said about 48 million are going to drive somewhere for Thanksgiving. 4.2 million will fly. So those not in the sky and on the ground, however, are going to find rising prices at the pump as they have been all year, remaining stubbornly at a seven-year high. Folks, think it through. Think it through. If there's any way possible, it might be prudent. And I know you've probably already made your plans. But try to stay off the road as much as possible this uh, holiday season, this week through Christmas and New Year's weeks simply because more traffic means more accidents, more incidents occur, and it's just going to gobble up more money 
more of what you have. I mean, you're, you're paying in many cases. I know here where I am, I'm paying double what I paid a year ago for gas. Literally, double what I paid a year ago for a gallon of gasoline. And the more you travel, the more money you're going to eat up. Travel a little bit less. Try to do things virtually when it's practicable. Just don't go crazy spending money that you don't have to spend. We are, we're not sure what's around the corner. I mean, we like to think that we know pretty much everything. But sometimes we take the opinions and the information we get from other so-called experts, we make decisions based on that information, and we find out it wasn't right, wasn't truthful. In yesterday's edition of NPR's All Things Considered, White House Council of Economic Advisors Chair Cecilia Rouse, Cecilia Rouse, remember that name. She stated that Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell has been looking at data to figure out the source of this inflation. And she said, Powell stated this, one of the things that we can see is a lot of it is due to the strong support we gave to households. So demand has been strong. Go figure. Rouse said, I think Chair Powell is doing the right thing which he's trying to understand what is the source of inflation. He's actively monitoring the data. And one of the things we can see is a lot of it is due to the strong support we gave to households. So demand has been strong. Households have shifted their demand. They're buying things instead of buying services and things go through ports. They have to be built and that is causing the bottlenecks in the supply chain. So Jerome Powell, He's now, again, chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's keeping his eyes on those data, understands what the potential of the Fed is and potentially addressing that. We know that President Biden has got an aggressive agenda to increase capacity at the ports. She may know that. We don't know that. We haven't seen a sign of anything substantive that this president has done to intervene in the supply chain process. So this is to say, she continued, that he is watching the data, and he, they've already signaled they're going to start unwinding their support in the financial sector, and they've also signaled their willingness to increase interest rates when that becomes appropriate. That's what we need, isn't it? We need higher interest rates. We're in the midst of inflation, and what happens that causes inflation is exactly what this administration has perpetuated. Money. You got more money? You're spending more money? The cost of doing business goes up because the value of the dollar goes down when there's more dollars in circulation. Nothing economically, nothing financial exists in a vacuum. All of the details of what is done affects everybody else and everything else in the financial markets. A dollar here means a dollar less somewhere else. I think maybe, just maybe, this administration, the people in it, think that you and I are stupid. We're too stupid to understand what's going on in our economy. We're too stupid to look at the facts and make a determination ourselves on what and why things are happening. As a matter of fact, I mentioned Joe Biden spoke yesterday. 
He did. He got in front of a microphone. He did a half-decent job. I guess maybe uh, he had the right pair of glasses on. Wait a minute, he didn't. He doesn't wear glasses. He wears sunglasses when he's outside. But otherwise, he's just unnatural. Anyway, he did a decent job giving this speech. And he didn't mince words when he started patting himself on the back for all the good things that are going on. Here's just a tad of what he had to say. We've gone from an economy that was shut down to an economy that's leading the world in economic growth. We've gone from small businesses being shuttered to a record number of new small businesses starting up. And we've gone from a devastating job destruction to record new job creation. I know for a lot of Americans, things are still very hard, very hard. But if you look at all the facts, all the facts, you can only come to one conclusion. We've made enormous progress in this country. First and foremost, our economy is creating jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, we've seen a record new job growth in America this year. 5.6 million jobs just since I was sworn in on January the 20th. More jobs created at this point in a new presidency than ever before in American history. So, if you look at the facts, here's what the record shows. Record job creation, record economic growth. Now, after years of wages being flat or falling behind, we're also seeing something else. Things are getting better for American workers. Higher wages, better benefits, more flexible schedules. Balance sheets for American families are better as well. Savings are up. Home equity is up. Credit card balances are down. And if you continue and combine the wage increases we've seen with the, with the direct relief my administration has provided to middle-class families, the typical middle-class family's disposable income has actually gone up 2% this year, even after accounting for higher prices. And it takes us, you know, it, it, it makes us stand out from the rest of the world. We know there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in the country. We know We know it's tough for families to keep up with the rising cost of gasoline, food, housing, and other essentials, supply chain bottlenecks, elevated prices. They're all taking a bite out of our family budgets. While I was listening to him then right then, this thought popped into my head. I wonder if he really believes the things that he just read off the teleprompter that you heard. Oh, things are, things are so good right now, so much better than what I inherited. Taking a line from there eight years ago when he and Bayrock took over and pointed at the Bush administration for everything bad that happened in America. <laughs> everything bad that happened for the eight years of the Biden-Obama administration were Bush's fault. I guess that's just the way politicians roll. In that little segment of that speech you just heard, there are numerous examples of claims that he made that are absolutely false. Now, Joe Biden, I think he's a pretty smart man. I think he has a thimble full of integrity, but I think he's pretty smart. Do you think he doesn't even look into the things that he has given a speech to talk about? I would think, based on what I know about him, and after all, I think we all have a pretty good picture of Joe Biden, 50 years in Washington, 
pretty visible in the positions that he held in the U.S. Senate. We know he's not a stupid person, but yet he said things that he either is ignoring or he doesn't comprehend or know because they're patently false. Things are not better. He, his administration, hasn't created 4.6 million new jobs more than any other administration. That's hogwash. They take actual numbers of people that have been employed, and they don't go back to the way it was before they took office, before the pandemic, you know, when millions, tens of millions of workers lost their jobs because of the egregious lockdowns. He doesn't reference that. Just because these jobs were quote-unquote created during his administration, which they weren't. They were created long before he became president. Many of those jobs were literally created during the Trump administration, but people got laid off because they couldn't work. And so when they come back, they're coming back to the jobs that were open because they had to leave those jobs. Those are not new jobs. Those are bringing people back to work. I, When the first time I heard him start trumpeting this thing about what a great job in uh, the labor process, the labor sector of the nation, what a great job he has done himself because of the horrible job in, re, in employment, in the labor markets that Trump did. And the truth is 180 degrees away from that. The Trump administration created jobs, literally. They didn't come back and rehash old jobs that people had to leave because of egregious government policies that shut businesses down. You may be thinking, Newman, have you lost it? Trump shut the businesses down. Folks, do you know that Donald Trump, President Trump, didn't initiate a single lockdown? He did not tell one town, one city, one borough, one company, anybody, to shutter their businesses for a while. He never did that. He made it very clear he didn't have the authority to do that if Those were the things that the people's representatives in government at the local and state levels felt like should be done. There would be nothing he could do about it. You got to remember, he's a businessman. He looked at the flip side of all of that, not knowing exactly the justification for shutting down really was because the real numbers in the pandemic, the real information in the pandemic certainly didn't justify total lockdown. And if you haven't read our cover story today, the reasoning for that that happened is included. We talk about it in that story. I just just cannot understand where Joe Biden is in his thinking. But nevertheless, we're caught up in the middle of it because guess what? He is the president of the United States. And oh, by jingos, he was asked and he announced that he is going to run for re-election in 20, 
24. Now, you may be listening and say, there's no way this guy can get elected again. I think at this point, you're absolutely correct. So why would he announce this far out that he's going to run for re-election? Just imagine if he made an announcement and said, uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to do my best to make things greater than they were when I came into office during this term, and I'm going to hand it off to somebody else in 2024. Just imagine what would not happen in the balance of his administration. He would get no support for anything that he wanted done. He would be classified from that point going forward as a lame duck president. Nobody wants to work with anybody like that because there's really nothing good that can come from it. So just ignore it and move on down the road. You got to understand we're talking about Washington, D.C., where they literally eat their young. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's not, hey, I want you to think like me. It's, hey, if you not only think like me, if you don't act like me, I'll destroy you. The mantra in D.C. is not, what have you done for me lately? It's, what have you done for me today? Because I'm not real happy with what I see from you. And they'll dump you without even thinking about it. That's the world in which we live. That's the political process in the greatest country on the planet. Well, you just heard a little bit from the president. Have you been wondering at all? Has it ever crossed your mind? Hey, I wonder what our vice president is doing. Besides her being the quote-unquote president stand-in for 80 or so minutes while Joe was um, under anesthesia getting his wonderful Roto-Rooter job, we've got a few things to tell you, and we're going to let you listen to her talk about them. Don't go away. In fact, you may want to get some popcorn. It's a great show. Vice President Kamala Harris is up next. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? (sighs) I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. Quityes.org. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. 
New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hey, just a reminder, Thanksgiving week, we're going to be here all week with the exception of Thanksgiving Day. So um, just so you can set your calendar and know that we're going to be here with you and that anytime you want to weigh in on this show today, any topic, make a suggestion, ask questions, feel free to do so. Give us a call, toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. So where the heck has our vice president been? I mean, we see her in these overseas trips where she goes over and makes some kind of very stale and hollow speeches. I think basically what's happening, the Biden administration want to keep her away from the television cameras. Well, they failed on that over the weekend. George Stephanopoulos of ABC got together with the vice president And uh, he pressed her pretty diligently about some of the negative things that we're all seeing going on in the Biden-Harris administration. And, of course, he asked her for answers. You know, their approval ratings are in the tank. Hers are lower than President Biden's. She's down in the 20s now. Can you imagine somebody being in the second highest office in the land and only 20, 20, maybe 24, 25 percent of the American people approve of the job that she's doing. You would think that they would be walking around with their hat in their hands saying, what can we do to make things better? What can we do to make you feel more comfortable about living in the environment which we're all living in together? And then listen to the people and make some decisions. So Georgie boy, he uh, most of the time will throw people in the current administration softballs when he's questioning them. But he kind of get kind of got in uh, Kamala's grill Sunday. As Americans are feeling pretty sour about the economy as we head into the holidays, it's going to cost more to drive home for Thanksgiving, more to put the turkey on the table, more to buy gifts for the kids at Christmas. What can you do about these high prices? How long is it going to take? Well, first of all, it's real and it's and it's rough. Uh, groceries, the cost of groceries has gone up. The cost of gas has gone up. And as this is all happening in the context of two years of a pandemic. Eight months ago, the president gave you the job of addressing the root causes of migration. But last month, we learned that in the past year, had the highest number of illegal border crossings since they started to be recorded in 1960. What are you doing to turn that around? How long will it take? Well, it's not going to be overnight. We can't just flip a switch and make it better. We had a tough poll for the president this week at ABC News with the Washington Post. Highest disapproval of his presidency shows that most Americans don't think the administration is keeping its promises. How do you explain that and how do you fix it? You know, George, polls, they go up, they go down. But I think what is most important is that we remain consistent with what we need to do 
to deal with the issues that we're presented with at this moment. So there's the second most powerful politician on earth. Yeah, I think maybe Vladimir Putin takes a back seat when it comes to Kamala Harris. What about you? And when she was asked for answers, did you hear the last answer to George's question? What are we going to do? Well, we've just got to maintain what we know we need to do. And uh, it's going to get better because we're going to maintain the improvement process that we've implemented, Joe and I. Just to be honest with you folks, there's no there there. I think she's an empty suit. Well, you used to could say an empty pantsuit about Hillary, but uh, Kamala always wears pants, a dress, a suit, or whatever. I don't know what to say about it, but there's no substance there. I got nothing redeeming out of that conversation she had with George Stephanopoulos. And if you think that was empty... Listen to this speech that she gave, and she talks about equity. We've got to be equitable instead of that constitutional thing that we are endowed by our creator, equality, equal justice under the law. You know, those things, they dumb it down, and they want to take away the equality because nobody, no individual, no group has authority over equality. That's a thing that comes from our creator, right? That's why they want to segue everything into equity because people get to make decisions. Personal opinions craft and implement equity. That puts certain people in charge and other people answering to the people in charge. We've gone from an economy that was shut down to an economy that's leading the world in economic growth. That's the president. You've already heard from him. We want to hear from the vice president. Try that. The second cut from Vice President Kamala Harris. Here's the truth. COVID-19 did not invent health disparities. Just ask any healthcare professional and she will tell you. Health disparities existed long before this virus reached our shores. Health disparities stem from broader systemic inequities. What COVID-19 has done is expose these disparities, and it has exasperated these disparities. When President Joe Biden and I took office, we knew that black communities, brown communities, native communities, rural communities were hardest hit by COVID-19. In fact, three in four vaccine doses that have been administered at community health centers have been administered to people of color. And as a result of all of that work, today, as Dr. Murthy and Dr. Padilla have discussed, as a result of all that work, today we have effectively closed the gap in vaccination rates among black and brown adults. There's more work to be done, but I believe we are headed in the right direction. Thank you. Wonderful idea. Yeah, black and brown vaccinated people. Have you ever questioned why African-American people in large part don't trust the vaccinations? Do you know why that is? Because of people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. Very loud, very demanding, very authoritative. And he's the guy that they point to, put up in front of the 
the nation to tell us exactly what is right, what we should do, what we've got to do, or we're going to die. They don't trust that. Why don't they trust that? Because of the racism drum that has been pounded continuously, especially by those on the far left who choose to ignore the history that has changed and the good that has been done to stamp out in part, yes, it's still there, but in large part stamp out some of the racism that permeated our nation. Racism didn't happen in 20 years or 30 years or 50 years. It happened over several centuries, and it takes a while to get it uprooted and out of our nation, if we ever can. But when this administration, when two administrations ago, policies or attempts to do good things failed, the fallback explanation for it all is it's got to be racist. So, health care. Healthcare, according to the vice president you just heard, is racist, systemically racist. And we were able to get more African-American adults vaccinated than ever before. And that's because why? We grabbed racism by the throat. And we created equity for African-Americans in regards to COVID-19. Some people say, why Why do they do that? Why do they go to these little bitty segments, these tiny pieces of things that are important, but maybe when you look at the face of our pandemic, the reality that goes along with COVID-19, the uncertainties, the mysteries that we can't answer because we don't get good information from our leaders, they want to ignore those things, but anything good that just might slip into the lives of Americans, they want to take total responsibility for all the good things while deflecting any of the bad that comes directly from what they do. And remember, Joe says again and again, especially when he was campaigning, the buck stops with me. I'm the president of the United States. And so when something bad happens, just because I'm a good guy, I'm going to take responsibility. Well, saying it and taking it are two different things. And he has yet to take responsibility for the outcome, the fallout to Americans for his poor decisions. (laughs) The start would be to say and recognize and admit that he made some bad decisions. He won't do that. He still thinks. He still thinks he's the best president since... uh, Barack Obama. And as that comedian said in that uh, that Amway, Amway, listen to me, uh, that advertisement that we play here occasionally, it's hilarious. He taglines everything that Alexa's telling him. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I can say that pretty much about everything Joe has to say or tell us is facts. Very few things that we hear out of this administration, out of this White House, are factual. You're going to hear that brain surgeon that we love so much here, Jen Psaki, coming up later, maybe in the next hour. She uh, went on the attack, which is very interesting. Normally, she veils her attacks on 
the opponents of this administration. But this time, the gloves are off. Meanwhile, we have an immigration deal going on. And um, there's this big quandary about the $450,000 payments that are about to be made according to and instructed by the Department of Justice to some illegal immigrants that were separated from their fellow family members during the Trump administration. And why were they separated? Well, because they were here illegally. And if you remember, there was a federal uh, rule that was passed. In fact, it was called the Lopez Rule. And that's the name of the judge that made the uh, the. Uh, the, deci- the decision that kids could only be separated and be held for a certain number of hours. And that the uh, it, w- it happened during the Obama administration as well, but during the Trump administration, more people were coming in, and so more kids, for their safety, were being separated. You know the kids in cages things. Uh, yeah the Biden-Obama administration built the cages. They're not cages, they're fences. But for kids' safety, not being able to verify, our Border Patrol folks couldn't verify that the adults that were with a lot of these kids were actually relatives. They were confident that many of them were being trafficked for sex and other, other things, and trying to protect these kids, they separated them. And some of these kids were legitimately separated from their parents. So we owe them money for that. Forget about the fact that it was illegal for them to be here and their parents brought them illegally. But we're going to pay, the taxpayers are going to pay the $450,000 per person in a family because of what we did. Forget about what they did. Well, Representative Lauren Bobear from Colorado, she's a newbie in Congress. She is a Republican. She has introduced a measure to prevent our taxpayer dollars from being spent in these settlement payments. She released a statement overnight, says this, In Biden's America, it is better to be a criminal than to be a law enforcement officer. Border Patrol agents may be fired because of Biden's vaccine mandate for federal employees, But illegal aliens, they don't have to get vaccinated. They get a free pass into our country, and many of them are going to receive a $450,000 check. She continued saying, for contrast, the highest paid Border Patrol agent makes less than half that in yearly salary after 20 years of service. I've had enough of the Biden regime's madness. So I introduced the We're Not Paying You to Break Our Laws Act to restore sanity and the rule of law. We should be putting Americans first, not criminals. So she introduced that bill on Monday after the Wall Street Journal reported last month that the Biden folks are in talks to give $450,000 to immigrant families separated under Trump. Although The president told reporters these payments are not going to happen. Biden's deputy press secretary walked back his comments. The deputy press secretary said the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the United States government. 
pay $450,000 of U.S. taxpayers to each illegal immigrant separated at the border? No way, Representative Bobear tweeted. Her one-page bill makes certain no U.S. Treasury funds are going to be used to settle any claims that illegal immigrants separated under the Trump administration have against the federal government. Here's what the bill reads. It's one page. Quote, No amounts may be made available from the Treasury for the payment of any settlement agreement filed in the United States District Court for the District of Arizona in AIIL versus Sessions 419-CV-00481 or any substantially similar civil action brought by any individual as a result of an action taken to enforce the memorandum of the Attorney General entitled Zero Tolerance for Offenses under 8 U.S.C. Code 13125 and dated April 6, 2018. She has some co-sponsors on the bill. Representatives Duncan, a Republican from South Carolina, Perry, Republican from Pennsylvania, Norman, Republican from South Carolina, Tiffany, Republican from Wisconsin, Harris, Republican from Maryland, Louis Gohmert, Republican from Texas, Weber, also Republican from Texas, and Representative Biggs, Andy Biggs, Representative from Arizona, all co-sponsored the bill. This may get some... uh, this may get some leverage moving forward. But you got to remember, Nancy Pelosi holds the gavel in the House. And uh, she pretty much rules the roost. If you don't think she does, just ask her. She'll make it very clear to you. We're going to go to Congress. We're going to go to the Senate. We're going to take this break when we come back. Josh Hawley gets into it with Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. And this back and forth is a little deeper, a little more vitriolic than normally. You don't want to miss it. That's up right after this at TNN Live. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. ABC Tonight, it's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> on the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your cart! And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to polandspring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up, 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles. There's enough negative news. Too bad it's fake news. Looking on the brighter side, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And your ray of sunshine, Dan Newman. Yeah. I'm a ray of sunshine. (laughs) Let me challenge you. What are you thankful for? What do you have in your life today that you're thankful for? If you're married, of course, I would think you would start with your spouse, especially you men. You need to be very thankful that there's a woman, there's a woman that puts up with your stuff. (laughs) Uh, For those of us that have been married for quite a while, approaching half a century, 46 years for Marianne and I, 46 years of wedded bliss. <laughs> For everybody that knows us as a pair, you would say probably um, there is antagonism in all of the wedded bliss. <laughs> Not all of it. She's my best friend, my soulmate, my one and only, the mother of our three children, the grandmother or the nanny of six of the greatest kids on the planet. And I am honored and I am grateful for her. We could sit here for the rest of the show and I could give you thing after thing, person after person, relationship after relationship that I'm thankful for. And uh, a lot of a lot of these folks, these same folks, listen to the show every day. For those of you listening in, I want to thank you for loving us, for being supportive through the years, for helping, for praying for us, for being there when we needed somebody. And folks, just because you look at somebody and they're successful or you think they've got a great marriage, great home, um, James Posey just dropped a text to me while I'm talking about Marianne, and he said, a very lovely lady, and she is. She's drop-dead gorgeous, and I'm blessed that she would even look at me, yet alone marry me. And everybody listening in that knows me says, amen. (laughs) Amen. She's a peach. She's something else. But everybody has somebody and something to be thankful for. This is the time of year. Take a little time every day. As a matter of fact, do you have things that you do that you schedule? Maybe they're emotional things or mental things. They're not, you know, oh, I got to go by the store and do this. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that you make part of your everyday routine. We all have one. I get up at 5.25 in the morning. I uh, jump on my Harley or I jump in my car and go to church where we do a 30-minute morning prayer thing. It streams online, Shreveport Community Church. And uh, just take a few minutes. I get on the keyboard. Whoever one of the other guys is there will sing a song. We'll have a little worship thing. And then we get together and we talk about everyday things. And hundreds of people look and listen in every day. We have people that comment from Africa. It's amazing the impact that we have on others' lives and the impact others have on us. I challenge you, 
find a way to plan and prepare, even if it's just five minutes every day, every morning. Again, my day starts at 525. That prayer meeting is from 6 to 630. I jump back on the car, head back to the studio to get the finishing touch put on the uh, that day's show. But at some point during every day, I get away. I get away. It's just me and it's just God. And I find ways to tell him how appreciative I am for the blessings that I have in my life. And as I said, we could sit here all day and uh, I could I could wear you out with the good things that have happened to me that I didn't deserve. Yeah, we always talk about the bad things, the tough things we go through. But we need to spend more time being thankful. Being thankful. I challenge you. Look at anybody, everybody in your life this week. Find something good to say to them about who they are to you and what they've done for you. And take the whole week to just forget about all of the evil that's been done to you, all of the problems, all the people issues that we all have. Take a little time and uh, forget about that and just be positive in your life. So on that note, let's go back to Washington, D.C. Let's go back to our sitting vice president, Kamala Harris. Um, She was the topic of Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri and HHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas because Joe Biden, as you remember, said she was going to go down there and take responsibility for all of our stuff happening at the southern border. Didn't work out that way. And so Senator Hawley is asking the Secretary of Homeland Security, who runs the southern border, about what he and Kamala have been doing, Kamala specifically. Senator Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Secretary Mayorkas, just a, just a few additional questions. I just want to clarify something you just testified to, to Senator Cruz. I think you just said that your view is that, that paying illegal immigrants $450,000 or more, million more per family, million eight, that that is not a pull factor. Uh, in other words, it wouldn't encourage more illegal immigration, right? You said not a pull factor, your words. Hey, I have the opportunity to answer this question. Well, I just want to be, you said not a pull factor, right? I couldn't quite hear you at the time, so I just want to be sure that's what you said. The, the settlement payment of a federal tort claim charge arising from a family separation effected under the prior administration's zero tolerance policy would not be a pull factor that is my testimony. That is your t- understood. I think that's news that you think that these payments to illegal immigrants would not be a pull factor. Would not that paying them would not encourage more illegal immigration. That that's news. Thank you for that. I, I want to ask you about uh, something else that's been in the news. Back in March, when the president said that that uh, Vice President Harris would be his border czar, he said she's the most qualified person to help in stemming the movement of so many folks stemming the migration to our southern border. That's President Biden. Do you report to her? Uh, Senator, I uh, report to the vice president and the president, and your question misstates uh, the facts. The president did not appoint the vice president to be the border czar. Um, He uh, um, asked her to lead the effort in addressing the root causes of irregular migration. Those Ah. are two very different things. Ah, I see. So is she working closely with you on that uh, important endeavor? Uh, How often do you meet with her? uh, I am uh, certainly in close touch with the vice president. How often do you meet on this subject? 
Uh, I've met uh, with the vice president um, more than a handful of times. But more than a handful? Well, so what's that when mean? I'm, Six or seven I'm, times in the last year? Oh, no. Uh, first of all, I have not been in office for a year, uh, Senator. Um, uh, secondly, I am in close touch. So she's very involved in the department's policies and in, and in, in, in what's happening at the southern border. You've traveled to the border together. Um, Senator, allow me to repeat my testimony that the vice president's focus is on addressing the root cause. I, I heard your testimony. My, I'm asking you a question. My question is, do you travel to the border together? Are you, are you devising policies together? Um, I have traveled uh, to the border once with the vice president to El Paso, Texas, so that she could see firsthand uh, the challenges that we face. And has she been part of your, your policies to your decision to end the Remain in Mexico policy, to end the public charge rule, uh, to change the ICE guidance? Has she been part of those decisions? I, I have not consulted with the Vice President directly about those policies. So what is she doing exactly? Um, you said she's not the border czar, that that's, that's not her role. We were wrong about that. She's not doing anything like that. She's doing something very different is what your testimony is, but she's, you're not actually consulting with her on any policy. So what is it that she's doing exactly? Uh, Senator, as I have uh, repeatedly testified, she is focused on addressing the root causes of irregular migration in the context of the migration challenge. How's that been going? Um, that is a, um, we are advancing considerably. And in fact, I am contributing to that effort. I have you think met, the policies are working? I, I have met with the leadership in Mexico, in Guatemala, in El Salvador, in Honduras, and other countries to address. And those efforts are working? That's been successful? Oh, this is a, um, uh, this is a process uh, that takes time and delivers an enduring solution. Senator Grassley? Uh, Mr. Secretary, what specific criminal conduct would cause an Afghan evacuee parole to be terminated? Well, with that little tagline there from Senator Grassley, you can hear exactly how these Senate hearings go. But I wanted you to hear the back and forth between Josh Hawley um, and Mayorkas about Vice President Kamala Harris and what she's doing regarding the southern border. And I think the answer, after you just heard Josh Hawley, who he relayed again, repeated again, what we were told as the American people the vice president was going to be responsible for, which was overseeing all of the things at the southern border. That's what the president said. And then we hear later the same day that, no, 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 she's not going to handle border stuff. She's going to be responsible for finding and fixing the root causes of illegal migration. Josh Hawley, in oversight position, the Congress oversees the executive branch and what it does and doesn't do. He's asking a question very nicely, I got to say, but what the heck is she doing? She's not doing things at the southern border. What is she doing? Mayorkas is the master of saying a lot while saying nothing. And he just continued in that diatribe. Can you imagine a scenario in which we would wake up one day and find out that former senator, former prosecutor, former squeeze for um, a San Francisco politician for a number of years, former attorney general, former vice president of the United States was sworn into office to replace Joe Biden as president? Can you imagine the chaos that would result all across not just this nation, but the world, if Kamala Harris was our president. 
It has nothing to do with her sex, folks. It has nothing to do with her skin color. By the way, she's not African-American. She's Jamaican. She is technically, I guess, brown. Nevertheless, she's a woman of color, and I respect that. She's accomplished something that no other woman has ever done, become vice president, and especially a woman of color. So I give her creds there. I do. Honestly, I do. I respectfully uh, look at that situation and call it an accomplishment. But after you get a title, folks, getting the title is literally meaningless unless you do something with it. I would think that looking at the cognitive issues that this president has, the vice president, whoever that would be, would find ways to interject into the process of governing and take up some of the slack. I haven't seen any of that from this VP. There have been some very good vice presidents throughout American history, and they are become good, get that label, by doing those exact things, really partnering with the then president of the United States to get his agenda accomplished, all those things that he campaigned on that resulted in his being elected president. But I don't see Kamala Harris doing anything like that. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure she could do it that way if she wanted to. Why? Simply because none of us know what the heck Joe's doing or why he's doing it. Oh my gosh. Well, we do have a bunch of travesties. We still have this fallout from the Kenosha trial verdict last Friday when Kyle Rittenhouse was exonerated from five criminal charges. Again, two of those were murdering two men. They were uh, 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 they were determined by a jury of his peers that his actions were in self-defense, which is legal, was legal, and is legal in the United States and in the state of Wisconsin. The political uproar has just gone absolutely crazy. The Penguin, if you've been with us a long time, you know I'm talking about House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler, Democrat from New York, very powerful politician. And the reason I call him the Penguin, if you remember the Batman movies, you remember the Penguin, Danny DeVito played him. DeVito looks like a replica of Jerry Nadler, and they walk the same. Nevertheless, he is a, I mean, in-the-tank hardcore leftist. Used to be middle of the road, but he's no longer that. He is, as I said, the chairman of one of the most powerful committees in the Congress, the House Judiciary Committee. He reached out to the Department of Justice after the Rittenhouse verdicts came out last Friday, and um, he's instructing or he is requesting the Department of Justice file charges, federal charges, against Rittenhouse. Some Republicans, including Senator Ron Johnson of of Wisconsin, have praised those not guilty verdicts with the Wisconsin senator stating that I believe justice has been served in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I hope everyone can accept the verdict, remain peaceful, let the community of Kenosha heal and rebuild. But that verdict has created some real division. Nadler blasted the verdict, 
called for the DOJ to review the court decision. Here's what he said. This heartbreaking verdict is a miscarriage of justice and sets a dangerous precedent which justifies federal review by Department of Justice. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines looking for trouble while people engage in First Amendment-protected protest. Again, this is Nadler speaking. And then Congressional Black Caucus Chairwoman Joyce Beatty, a Democrat from Ohio, called the result unconscionable and called for criminal justice and gun reform legislation in a statement. The ludicrous claim of self-defense is on par with the abhorrent behavior displayed by the prosecution and the judge. It's time for accountability, Beatty said. As the DOJ does not have the power or authority to intervene in matters of state law, it's unclear how the agency's review of the case would play out. Meanwhile, Black Lives Matter. They said in a statement on Friday that it was not shocked by the not guilty verdict and that it was a reminder of how our legal systems are deeply rooted in white supremacy. It was a setup from the beginning. The police, the judge, the court, mainstream media, every single system involved all wrapped their arms around Kyle Rittenhouse from the very beginning, from even before the murders he committed. What this verdict reminds us of is that this is a nation deeply rooted and still very committed to white supremacy. We must continue to fight against it. That's BLM spokesperson. Have you seen any of the interview that Fox News' Tucker Carlson put together with Rittenhouse? I got to be honest with you, it blew my mind. The young guy is very intelligent. He's very, uh, very communicative. He's very positive. And when all of the details came out about what he was really doing, anybody has a right to argue anything or any feelings that you have about the things that he did or didn't do. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I would bet you that Kyle Rittenhouse now today believes and wishes he hadn't done some of those things if he had never taken the gun downtown, if he hadn't pointed the gun or carried it while he was declaring to people he was a medic and he was helping people in physical need. If he hadn't done that, none of this would have happened. But guess what? It happened. How much of what you had been told over the past year by mainstream media about this whole incident, how much How much about what you heard from the legacy media did you find out during the trial testimony and evidence presented that it wasn't factual? As an example, did you know that he was there guarding a store. That's why he had the gun. It happened behind a store where part of this incident happened. He was there to watch it for the owners of the store. Did you know that? Did that ever come up before the trial? No. You would think legacy media, that's what they would do. Concentrate on things like, you know, the facts. But they never mentioned that. They said he was a white supremacist. There's nothing, nowhere, There were five search warrants issued by the police there after Rittenhouse was arrested, and the search warrants were to attack and get into everything personal that he had, his computers, 
laptop, desktop, his cell phone, everything. They scoured his social media accounts, trying to find some way to point a finger at anything that would justify him being called and labeled a white supremacist. There's no there there. But yet that's still the talking point. You just heard the Black Lives Matter spokesperson said he's an example. He's a reminder of how our legal systems are deeply rooted in white supremacy. He didn't illegally bring a gun across the state border from Illinois. The gun was already in Kenosha, Wisconsin. He didn't, as a vigilante, come into town that night to start trouble. His father lives there. He spends a ton of time in Kenosha. His best friend lives there. We didn't hear about any of this from mainstream media. There were so many other things. On Friday after the verdict came down, protests erupted across several cities, people taking to the streets in Chicago, New York, Oakland, California, Portland, and other cities to voice their dissatisfaction with the verdict. Several dozen protesters got together at Federal Plaza in Chicago, holding up signs that read, Reject Racist Vigilante Terror. Reject Racist Vigilante Terror. Somebody described to me and explained to me what uh, Kyle Rittenhouse did that was could be labeled as a result of racist vigilante terror. As we know now, the two people that died had horrendous criminal records and they were physically assaulting Kyle Rittenhouse. One of them had a gun and was chasing him in an FBI drone video chasing him with a gun pointed at Kyle Rittenhouse. That same man testified under oath that he was moving towards Kyle Rittenhouse when Kyle shot him. Facts make a difference. So many things have come out that prove all of this was nothing but a charade, a mainstream media circus that they created once again to create a picture of our justice system being all white controlled, our justice system being systemically racist, and that people of color don't get a fair state. Did you hear about the young man on the same day down in the South was exonerated for a couple of murders that he was charged for? He was exonerated because evidence proved what he did was also in self-defense. In fact, the charges against him were far more serious than those filed in Wisconsin against Kyle Rittenhouse. Have you heard about that story? We allude to it. I go into it in today's story that's published at Truth News Network. You need to check it out. I'll just give you a little tease. The obvious comparison with that that happened to Kyle Rittenhouse on the exact same day. The guy that was exonerated, nobody's talking about. Hardly anybody's even mentioning the case. More people were involved 
and cops were shot in that incident. This guy shot cops. You would think there would be some broad speculation and consensus of, oh my gosh, how could that happen? He actually had a gun and he shot and killed people. He was charged with first-degree murder. The jury came to the conclusion that he acted in self-defense. So where were the charges by the media and by Black Lives Matter and others that that incident happened because of systemic racism and our justice system? You know why you haven't heard about it? The man was black. The man who shot and killed was African-American, and he got justice. You know how and what the justice was that he got? He got it according to the rule of law, the innocent until proven guilty thing, that all men are created equal and were promised liberty and justice for all. Yeah, the system doesn't work sometimes. But thank God it works more often, more effectively, and more fairly than do the justice systems in numerous other countries on the planet. We could have been birthed in one of those countries, and we could have been living through egregious lockdown, government overreach, poverty, war-torn. We could have been living in it in that environment, each of us. Let's just be thankful this week for a lot of things, but thankful for where we are and what we've been given in our lifetimes. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, ah, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Blast from the past. Early 70s. That's Brad. David Gates and Brad. Guitar man. 
Hey, the Waukesha thing that happened yesterday, horrible situation. A man drove an SUV into a parade, a Christmas parade in downtown Waukesha, Wisconsin, not far from Kenosha where the Kyle Rittenhouse trial concluded on Friday of last week. And this guy that did this, Daryl Brooks Jr., if you were with us yesterday, you know that when the name came out, while we were on the air live, we did a background investigation, a quick check on who Daryl Brooks is. And he's just a hardened criminal. He has all kinds of arrests and he's been in jail. He's just a career criminal. And how and why all of this would happen, I think the investigation is going to be ongoing for a long time. Five deaths so far, 50 people injured. It's a horrendous event that happened. I can't imagine what it would take for somebody to drive down Main Street in any town during a parade and just mow down a bunch of people that were innocently there to either watch or participate in a Christmas parade. I happened to find a little explanation by this guy, Daryl Brooks Jr. He was charged and was arrested and served time for pedophilia in his career. Now, he's a rap star. We played a short segment of one of his rap tunes. He's not a rap star. He's a wannabe rap star. Yesterday, we played a little snippet of uh, one of his songs. Not going to do that today because it was profanity-laced. I mean, I heard the F word four times in about 20 seconds, which you never hear. There's nothing redeeming in that. But he did go to a microphone and he did explain the pedophilia charges. And I want you to listen closely. He uh, he talks very gangish and uh, he's pretty easy to understand. But listen closely to Daryl Brooks Jr. explain how and why the pedophilia thing happened. And then as soon as we fall out, all of a sudden, now I'm a pedophile. Let me explain that. Ten years ago, 2006, I caught a case with my oldest daughter's mama. Yes, my baby mama. She's from Oakland. I was busting moves in Nevada. I meet the bitch. She says she want to get down, so I'm pimping on the bitch. I'll take her to Nevada. You know what I'm saying? I get cracked. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know the bitch was 16 at the time. She gave a statement to the police and told them, yeah, she was hoeing, that I was pimping, and, and uh, that she was 16, and that I didn't know that, okay? She was hoeing, and I was pimping. I didn't know the B was 16. She told the cops that. I guess we all have justification for the things that we do wrong. We come up with excuses. And folks, anybody lives in... Uh, Glass houses shouldn't throw rocks. My glass house is simply this. I haven't been held accountable for each and everything that I did, at least not outwardly. I've not served a moment in jail. I've never been arrested. I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to do that. And the best way to keep it from happening is not get involved in incidents that result in those kind of things happening. And so, um, this guy obviously has lived a hard life, and uh, he's not a law-abiding citizen. It's hard for me to understand how somebody could do what he did, and I wonder what the real circumstances are that led up to it. And I, I, I would like to, um, I would like to check out and see what these 
folks that have come out again and again and again that have been so brutal to Kyle Rittenhouse, spreading lies for more than a year. This guy's, his life is over. Rittenhouse's life is over, as he knew it and as he wanted it to be. Um, His own attorney was interviewed yesterday, and I heard his attorney say, uh, when the uh, announcer asked him, what do you think is ahead for Kyle Rittenhouse, the attorney just quickly said, I think he should change his name and move somewhere where nobody knows who he is because his life as he's known it and as he wanted it to be going forward is gone. It was taken from him. Just imagine if something that dramatic happened to you in your life and all of a sudden everything that you had worked for, planned for, prepared for is just gone like that because a group of media sycophants decided to make you the Adolf Hitler of 2021 and created a scenario leaving out 99 and 9 tenths percent of the facts of the case because that didn't feed the narrative that you have of, hey, 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 Second Amendment, got to get rid of it. Here's a guy, a vigilante, a white supremacist from Illinois that finds out there's going to be some kind of protest going on in Kenosha and he takes his gun that he didn't even own legally and he crosses state lines, broke federal law in crossing state lines with a gun that he didn't own and he went and started picking out people to kill. For one year, or you like me, for a year, everything I heard about the Kyle Rittenhouse story made me think that he was a white supremacist and that he did shoot three people. Naturally, they each had to be African-American. He killed two of them. Both of them had to be African-American. None of that was true. We didn't know that to the trial. Why not? Because the media, the mainstream, the legacy media, whatever you want to call them, they made a determination This is a chance to feed the critical race theory, the massive cries that there really is systemic racism in our law enforcement community, systemic racism in every community in the nation, every government entity, every white person. We're all racist just because we're who we are. Have you heard any of them come out and correct themselves since the verdict came out on Friday? No, and you won't. They're not going to do it because that doesn't feed the narrative that they've got to maintain so that they can get people to watch and listen to them and read their drivel. Nobody wants to participate in news, in the digestion of news media facts and information that come from any entities that lie about it. No, when you watch CNN and MSNBC and ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, One America Network, Newsmax, we expect to get facts when these people talk to us. That doesn't matter to the legacy media folks, though. They don't care about facts. They start with their summation, and that summation is developed. It's a picture of not who they are, but who they want people to portray them to be. Now just imagine this. Kyle Rittenhouse, he's a teenager. He was acquitted of murder on Friday, 
And of course, the jury confirmed that what he said on the witness stand when he pled innocent, he performed those shootings of those three people in self-defense. What did you make of the president of the United States calling you a white supremacist? Kyle Rittenhouse was asked that by Tucker Carlson during a wide-ranging interview on Monday. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, Rittenhouse said, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. Now, this is an 18-year-old kid saying that to the President of the United States. If you put that whole back and forth in the context of what Joe Biden said about Kyle Rittenhouse and what you just heard Kyle Rittenhouse say about the President, there was no hatred in what Rittenhouse said. There's no animus obviously there. There's no lashing out. There's no demeaning of the President. Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. Tucker pressed Rittenhouse to go on saying, it's not a small thing to be called that. No, Rittenhouse said, it's actually malice, defaming my character for him to say something like that. Carlson and Rittenhouse were referencing a video cited by Rittenhouse's defenders at the trial that was tweeted by Biden in September back when, you know, he was in that anything goes, you can say anything, no accountability. You're campaigning for the presidency of the United States. You can label anybody what you want to label them. There's no recourse, right? During the debate, remember this? During that debate in September between... uh, former President Donald Trump and Joe Biden, Fox News anchor and moderator Chris Wallace during that debate asked Trump if he was willing to condemn white supremacist and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. The clip shows Trump responding by condemning what he called political violence from the left wing before telling members of the far-right Proud Boy group to stand back and stand by. There's no other way to put it. The President of the United States refused to disavow white supremacists on the debate stage last night. That's from Biden in a tweet accompanying the video that he played. Rittenhouse's picture was also featured in Biden's video. So after Rittenhouse got the get-out-of-jail-free card on Friday, Biden said he stood by what the jury had concluded. He said the jury system works and we have to abide by it. He told that to reporters after he issued a statement earlier on Friday saying, I know that we're not going to heal our country's wounds overnight, but I remain steadfast in my commitment to do everything in my power to ensure that every American is treated equally with fairness and dignity under the law. During the interview with Carlson, Rittenhouse maintained that his case never had anything to do with race and was instead about the right to self-defense. I'm not a racist person, Carl said. I support Black Lives Matter, the movement, he said. I support peacefully demonstrating. I believe there needs to be change. 
I believe there's a lot of prosecutorial misconduct, not just in my case, but in other cases. It's just amazing to see how much a prosecutor can take advantage of someone. Like if they did this to me, imagine what they could have done to a person of color who doesn't maybe have the resources I do or it's not widely publicized like my case. Novel idea. Start at the the context of this whole thing. Everybody in Washington, D.C. needs to just pause for a moment during this holiday season and reassess the center of your fiber of your being. Reassess what you're doing and why you're doing it. What is your purpose of serving the American people in Congress? And are you really serving the people? Are you abiding by your commitment to enforce the laws to support the United States Constitution? Do you believe in what was said by our forefathers first in the Declaration of Independence, confirmed in the writing of the United States Constitution? Do you really believe it? You swore an oath to it all. You either need to do the work, do what you committed to do, or you need to walk away. And then you hear people like Jerry Nadler. He hadn't seen any of the evidence in the case. Joe Biden's never seen any evidence in the Rittenhouse case. Nobody investigated, really did research, and gave the President of the United States factual information about the trial. He just does what is politically expedient for his department, the administrative office of the presidency, and of course his political party, the Democrat Party. And surely if somebody at the, you know, at the at the party headquarters, the DNC, if they send information to the White House for the president, some talking points or whatever, they would only have facts in them, right? Can you imagine, just just for a second think, If you were president and the people that worked for you spoon-fed you the drivel that this president is obviously getting from other sources, there is no way Joe Biden has the cognitive ability now to put all this stuff together himself. He has somebody in his ear, maybe literally, but if not that, he certainly has um, the ability and the responsibility to read what he's told to say. He's not letting anything come off his head, and any time he does, it becomes very, very dangerous because nobody has a clue what this guy's going to say. And pretty much, if he freelances, he says some really dumb things that certainly nobody wants him to say. That teleprompter, they need to make sure it works every time he gets in front of a TV camera or a microphone because he's getting exposed pretty much every time he gets in front of a camera and in front of people. On another case, have you heard about Ahmad Arbery, that case? It's down in, uh, I think it's South Carolina or Georgia. It's Georgia. And uh, he is a, a black man that was jogging through a neighborhood and two white guys accosted him and it ended up killing him. Well, black armed militias rallied outside the Georgia courthouse where this case is being trialed of those two men yesterday. There are actually three men are on trial for the fatal shooting of Arbery, who was unarmed, and he's black, 
And a new Black Panther leader has issued a warning down in Georgia. This one's really spooky. Here's what he said. Y'all are in serious trouble because the wrath of karma is coming on America. That's a man who identified himself as the supreme commander of the new Black Panther militia. We're not taking it no more, he said. So what's the status on the trial? Well, as prosecutors and defense attorneys delivered their closing arguments yesterday, dozens of members of BLM 757, Lion of Judah Armed Forces, and the new Black Panther Party marched outside the Glenn County Courthouse in Georgia. The SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, has called the new Black Panther Party a virulently racist and anti-Semitic organization whose leaders have encouraged violence against white, against Jews, and against law enforcement of all different types in America. Now, when the SPLC comes out and labels any minority um, majority member, minority skin color, and calls them out for any reason, you know these people have got to be really, really marginal. SPLC is very anti-people that aren't people of color in pretty much everything they do. Travis McMichael, age 35, his father Greg McMichael, age 65, and William Roddy Bryan are on trial for murder, aggravated assault, and false imprisonment for the slaying of Barbary and Satilla Shores outside of Brunswick, Georgia. The activists carried new Black Panther flags, wheeled a coffin with a dummy corpse on which was written countless names of blacks who were killed at the hands of whites, including George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We're standing in solidarity with the family of Ahmaud Arbery and for all those black lives that have been lost, said one of the rally's organizers. That's Black Lives Matter 757 President Jafariel Jones. The message is we won't tolerate black and browns being murdered anymore. We will pull up anywhere in the nation. He said the groups have shared a goal of self-defense for black people. Our longtime plan is to arm our entire community with responsible gun ownership, he said. We will be holding classes in the future, and we, be, we will be setting up workshops in all 50 states. When he was asked how the group would respond to a not guilty verdict, Jones replied, no comment. In closing statements, the prosecutor in the case, Lind Dunakoski, argued that the defendants pursued Arbery and pickup trucks for five minutes through a neighborhood on February 23rd last year. They shot him because he was a black man who refused to even talk to him. The defense told jurors that the McMichaels suspected Arbery of having committed a crime and were trying to detain him until the police arrived. Travis McMichael opened fire only after Arbery attacked him. Now, this is the defense, that McMichael attacked Arbery only after Arbery attacked him and grabbed his shotgun. And there's video of the case. I, I don't think these guys have a chance. McMichael's, the, the, the book's going to be thrown at him. I, and you know what? That's just on the little bit of testimony and video that I've seen of the trial and of the case. 
I'm not sitting in the courtroom listening to testimony, and I'm certainly not seeing the evidence the jury is. But folks, this kind of stuff, it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And it's always being weaponized by the mainstream media, something that they can use to further divide Americans. And it's really getting sad. It's always been sad, but it's really getting tough. This has got to stop, and I don't know how to do it. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today. Hashtag hot and modern. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yep, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. As politics grow ever more chaotic, remember this truth. When you're taking heavy flack, it usually means you're over the target. Open the Bombay doors. Truthnewsnet.org. Your pilot on this mission, Dan Newman. You know, I'm not sure if we're dropping the bombs or if the bombs are being dropped from a plane above us. I think probably a combination of the two. There's a lot of, and there's plenty of things to be concerned about, legitimate things. We're going to work on them. You know, it's really tough to make good um, good decisions if you don't have and aren't armed with all the facts of a matter. Sometimes, often as a matter of fact, we have to make decisions based on faith. What we know in our spirits are the right things, and we hope they are the right things when we make these decisions. But the dangerous part of that, folks, is when we aren't making decisions. Indecisiveness will destroy people. You've got to be able to um, gain the discipline to be able to reconcile different pieces of things when you've got to make decisions, when you have to make choices. And that's something that's learned. 
But some people are open to learning it. Some people just totally reject it. And the most miserable people on the planet are, in my opinion, people who just don't make decisions. Everything's just done by flying by the seat of their pants. All kind of problems happen. You heard this guy. You heard him. This is a guy that the 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 driver of uh, the SUV yesterday at the parade in Waukesha killed five people, injured 50 others. You heard him talking about it. It was a plausible thing that happened. He, uh, he went to bed with this girl. She was hoeing and he was pimping, he said. And she got pregnant at age 16. I didn't know she was 16. Novel idea. Why not just sleep willy-nilly with anybody around? And anybody you sleep with, just make sure you love them and you're committed to for life. There's a lot of people that don't live in a world full of reason. There's a lot of people that live in their worlds have very little reason or ability to discern and make good choices about their lives. We don't have to go there. But sadly, in larger and larger larger numbers, we're living in an environment where more and more people like that are in the decision-making process. And they just totally ignore facts in large part just simply because they back up from the result that they want to achieve. They back up and find a way to get to that rather than starting with facts and working toward getting an outcome that's positive. Novel idea. Genesis 8.22. One of the things that will always exist as long as man is here. One of four things God promised Noah. There will always be seed time and harvest. Well, what is that, Dan? Seed time, obviously, is where you plant seeds. And harvest is after that seed germinates in the ground and it's it's fed and it, nature takes over and it grows and it becomes what it was seeded to be, God promised that that process will always happen. There will always be reap and sow. And what does that mean? If you want good results, you better plant something that is the seed of the good results that you hope for. Too often, <laughs> too often we plant peaches thinking that we may get some uh, apples to grow. Nope, what you plant is what you get. The political environment just makes that all so much more, um, what do I want to say, idiotic, incorrigible impossible to understand and reconcile. And this administration, and it's not just the administration, it's everybody on the left. I mean, you've got a big clump of people that have either benignly or actively joined together to attack the whole philosophy of conservatism in the nation. They summarily reject what the Constitution did, which was set our government up to be handled and controlled by the people, not the government controlling the people. It's supposed to be government of, by, and for the people. They summarily reject that. The story we gave you on Jerry Nadler and what he said about the Kyle Rittenhouse innocent verdicts, he has the unmitigated gall to believe it's okay for him, a sitting member of Congress, 
the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, to reach out to the Department of Justice and request that they file charges against Rittenhouse. In other words, the rule of law, all of the laws that he and fellow members in the U.S. Congress throughout history have passed, those don't apply anymore. What we need to let rule our lives now is just what the political elitists, those that are in charge at the moment. Today, it's the Democrats. Tomorrow, it may be Republicans, but that's okay. We want politicians to run the world. We want Washington, D.C. to have sole authority to make all the decisions for the American people. Donald Trump pushed back against it. Millions of Americans supported his doing so. We saw pretty darn good results in just four years. And Joe Biden came in and he summarily has dismantled all of those things that were good for the bulk of the American people and put us in the quandary that we're in today. And they're not through, folks. They're not through. We have COVID-19. We have the vaccine stuff going on. We have employers that are struggling on what to do to stay in business while at the same time doing the right things according to OSHA. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. She took on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Disney World decided to halt its employee vaccine mandate. She can't handle that. And she is saying that DeSantis making that happen is walking backward. They're based in Florida, Saki said, of course, talking about Disney. And obviously, the governor there has consistently taken steps to take steps backwards as it relates to fighting the pandemic, not forward. She was on Air Force One on Monday when she was asked about this. Saki's comments come after DeSantis signed four bills during the week last week that require private employers to allow vaccine exemptions, including, but not limited to, health or religious concerns, pregnancy or anticipated future pregnancy, and past recovery from COVID-19, that natural immunity thing. Nobody should lose their job due to heavy-handed COVID mandates, and we had a responsibility to protect the livelihoods of the people of Florida, the governor said. Walt Disney World announced on Saturday it is pausing its COVID-19 vaccine mandate in response to the new law. Go figure! (laughs) A corporation, a major corporation, is taking their marching orders from the laws in the state in which they operate. Disney said, we believe that our approach to mandatory vaccines has been the right one as we've continued to focus on the safety and well-being of our cast members and guests. At this point, more than 90% of active Florida-based cast members have already verified that they are fully vaccinated. We will address legal developments as appropriate. And that OSHA rule, the mandatory rule for employers with 100 or more employees, that was put on hold as a response to a whole slew of lawsuits that have been filed against OSHA and against the Biden administration and against some of these companies. 
Meanwhile, Saki yesterday, she said that businesses with 100 or more workers should move forward and implement the federal government's rule requiring workers to get vaxxed or submit to regular testing. In other words, she's saying, yeah, we know. We know what the courts have said. We know OSHA temporarily suspended it. But we're going to double down on stupid and tell everybody out there, hey, just because this is being litigated and will be adjudicated in the court systems, you need to ignore all that. Don't even think about that. You need to go ahead and do what we tell you to do. Why? Because it's us. And we're endowed now. We're at the top of the heap. We're the ones that run everything. She said our message to businesses right now is to move forward with measures that will make their workplaces safer, protect their workforces from COVID-19. This was our message after the first stay issued by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. That remains our message. Nothing has changed. Well, it did change. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals popped them on the wrist. The court told them, hey, you can't do that right now. They issued a stay. The Biden administration said, yeah, the feds, the federal court, the appeal court, they said to hold off, but we're going to ignore what they said. Employers, keep on with your vax mandates. The Fifth Circuit came back and said, hey, 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 you better not go there. You're going to get in deep doo-doo, even if you're president of the United States, if you violate this federal order. It comes days after OSHA said it was going to suspend enforcement of the mandate after the Fifth Circuit reaffirmed its decision to temporarily block the rule. Despite OSHA's decision and the legal challenges that followed, Saki said the Biden administration is confident that it has the authority to implement the rule and confirmed the White House is still working under the guise that businesses will implement the mandate, everybody, by January 4th. We're still heading towards the same timeline, Saki remarked. The DOJ is vigorously defending the emergency temporary standard in court. We are confident in OSHA's authority. What do we do? I mean, just when you think you're on the right page, Something comes up that just makes the question marks fire in your mind again and again and again. The Job Creators Network called JCN, which is a business advocacy group, filed a notice with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, which is hearing all legal challenges to Biden's COVID-19 vaccine requirement, and sent a letter to the president saying the group expects the White House to comply with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision. It said, we expect the White House to respect and listen to the judiciary rather than barnstorming ahead and bullying businesses to comply with this rule whose legal fate is in serious jeopardy, the JCN wrote in a November 19th letter to Biden. We expect the White House to respect the rule of law and observe the court's temporary stay. Comes after OSHA said it was going to suspend the enforcement, but then Biden said, nah, y'all go ahead and do it. We know we have the authority to make it happen. Y'all go ahead and do it. And on a final note today, 
the Wall Street Journal editorial board announced that the journal will continue with the publishing of its annual Thanksgiving editorials despite efforts by the left to cancel them. In a Monday op-ed published yesterday, the board declared that efforts by Progressive to stop the publishing of the racist 1620 account of the first Thanksgiving as well as a mid-20th century contemporary contrast of American progress would not succeed and that the journal wouldn't bend to political demands for censorship. No doubt it was only a matter of time. The progressives have come for our annual Thanksgiving editorials. They won't succeed, but we thought we'd share the tale with readers for an insight into the politicization of everything, even Thanksgiving, they wrote. It noted the pair, the two editorials, have been run every year since 1961. 1961. (laughs) Nobody's complained. But the editorial board said, but we live in a new era when the left sees nearly everything through the reductive lens of identity politics. It sees much of American history as a racist project that should be erased. The author of the petition, which has garnered about 50,000 signatures, claims it's time to stop publishing 17th century racism in 2021. Just when you think we've gone as low as we can go, we find out, nope, we're wrong. We can go much lower. Let us show you how. Folks, that's a wrap on Tuesday. Thank you so much for being here today. We love having you. And we want you back tomorrow. Again, a reminder, the only day off this holiday week is Thanksgiving Day. But we'll see you tomorrow right here, 9 a.m. short. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here, there can be no denying.
say it again, but don't you feel 